Okay, but Hashem will start learning the next couple of weeks. Megillah Esther. Tinshazan is brought down in in the, um, in the Svarim that um, there was a minig in Klai Yisrael that the f- two Matzai Shabbosais before Purim that everyone would get together in the shul and the first Matzai Shabbos they would read the first half of the Megillah and the second Matzai Shabbos they would read the second half of the Megillah and what was the point of that? it seems Pasha this was, it's, that's brought down in Minig Yisrael in Megillah Seifrim Megillah Seifrim brings down all the Minhagim of Klai Yisrael many of them that we do from the times of this Megillah Seifrim was written after the Kasima Sashas, after that Kufa. And uh, what was the point of just what it was yet? It wasn't about Kaira preparing Hadalain. It seems clear that it was a preparation of learning the Megillah. And they used to get together to learn the Megillah. Because if you learn the Megillah, if you read the Megillah just at face value, it's a nice story. And it sounds like a nice uh, king kills his wife. And then because of, uh, because of his advisor, then there's a nice uh, wife that he likes. And because of that wife, he kills his advisor. You know, I'm sure if you go through medieval times, you'll find many different um, stories in the palace that resemble this story of the Megillah. And uh, anyone who would read it superficially, you don't really see any, any, any big ideas going on here. And the reason that was written this way is because, as it says in the end of the Megillah, this the Megillah was written in the Sefer Zichroinus of Malchi Madei of Haras. This was written in the Chronicles of the Gaim. And we couldn't start writing how uh, they tried to get us and then we did tshuva and all types of different things why it had to be written in this uh, in, in this manner but um there's a, the Gemara tells us there's a machlaikas where you start reading Megillah where you machliyev to start reading Megillah Esther to be yaitzu yachiyev and one mandamar says you start from um, Balailahu from uh, the Takhoi Shalneis the beginning of the Neis in Parag Vav and one mandamar says you start from Parag Gimel Takhoi Shalhaman the other mandamar says you start from Ishihudi and the fourth mandamar says you start from the beginning Takhoi Shalachashverish it's how to learn so the question is, and we paskin from the beginning. You can't just hear the half of the Megillah and be Yitzay. And the question is, we don't find anywhere Megillah's Rus, for example. You know, the last parak is really the uh, parak that uh, that's where David Amelech his sources Rus marries Bayaz. No one says on Shavuos, why do we read the whole Megillah? Where do you need to read Megillah's Rus from? Just start from Parak Gimel. Everyone agrees you start from the beginning of Megillah's Rus. Also, Megillah's Esther. There's a Shiloh where you start reading from. To be and it's very clear that Megillah Esther has two dinim to it. Um, those of you who are learning Dachayimi uh, recently in Masechta Bava Basra, it says over there that Megillah Esther was written by the Anshe Knesset Hagdaila. When was it written by the Anshe Knesset Hagdaila? So Rashi points out it was written after Kla Yisrael came back to Eretz Yisrael to build Bayasheni. And Rashi points out because you cannot write Kisvei Kaidesh in Chutz. Kisve Kaidesh to be installed as part of Sifre Tanakh, it has to be done in Eretz Yisrael. Now, Esther wrote the Megillah in Chutzlaretz. And the next year, they already made Purim and everybody was reading the Megillah. And yet, it wasn't part of Tanakh until years later when they got to Eretz Yisrael. So, what was the Megillah? What were they reading? What were they reading before they got to Eretz Yisrael? 
The answer is the Megillus Esther has two components to it. Megillus Esther was made to be Mefarsa Metanes, to publicize the Nase. When we read Megillus Esther and Purim, we're reading it to publicize the Nase. And that was done by the Jews before Megillus Esther became part of Kisvei Kaidish, became part of Tanakh. Later on, later on, when they got tired to show, the Anshik says, you know what? We're going to incorporate Megillus Esther, which exists, and give it the Kedusha of Tanakh. And that, that's where all the halachas of how you write it, and the Ksav Ashuris, that's all part of Kisvei Kaidish. But the reading of Megillus Esther was before it became part of Kisvei Kaidish. Why? Because it's Pirsim Hanes. So Rus, we read, because it's a Megillah part of Kisvei Kaidish. You want to read a Megillah? You start from the beginning, you go to the end. We don't read Megillah's Esther because it's a Megillah in Kisvei Kaidish. We read it because it's Pirsim Hanes. Now there becomes an argument in the Gemara, well, if we're reading it to publicize the Nase, where do we start reading? So one man number says, we'll start from the Nase. Balailahu, Nadash Nas Hamelech. The other man number says, one second, what about Haman? You've got to start from Haman. Let's start from Haman. What do you mean? Uh, Marzcha, you've got to start from. And the last man number says, you have to start from Machashverish, from the first Pasuk, and that's how we pass it. So it's inherent in this understanding that the Nase begins from Pasuk Aleph. If not, what are we talking about? The whole reading is to publicize the nace. So we have to start seeing the nace from the beginning. If not, why do we pass in that we read from the beginning? So that's Hanacha number one. And the Vilna Gain and the Sefer Yosef Lekach, which came earlier than the Vilna Gain, but his Pirish is based, the Gros Pirish is based on the Yosef Lekach. The Yosef Lekach is a very long and extensive Pirish, and the Gros is very, very concise. But yet, if you're able to go through both Pirushim, the Yosef Lekach, you see all of his questions. He asks like ten questions, and then he gives a whole long, winded answer, and then you learn the Gros, you can see in three words what the Gros is really coming to do. The questions and the answers, that's the Gra throughout all this Pirushim, is very, very Mikatzer. But here we have the, the, uh, the, the, the Chetzed, that we have a Sefer that shows us, so to speak, where the Gra was coming from. And both the Gra and the Yais of Lekach, based on this Yisai, tell us that the Megillah, every word of it and every Pasuk, is coming to tell us a part of the Nase, and that's what they are out to show. So already from the beginning, we already talk about the Nisim of Purim, even though there's a lot here that's hard to see clearly what the Nase is. That's number one. Now really, the Gzair, as we know, didn't start till Paragimel, till, Mar- till Haman became big, as Haman. That's when the story really begins. The first two prakim happened years and years before. It's years, it seems to us in the, in the Megillah, it goes like one, two, three. But if you look at the dates that the Megillah says, it was years before, 10, 11, 12 years, Bachleksin before, how many years before the actual story of the Purim did Parak Aleph and Parak Beis actually occur? And the reason for this is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu does a big chesed for Klai Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always maktim the refuah kaidam lamaka. That means before there's any gezerah, the refuah is always there. Now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to set up the, 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 the players and the pieces on the board in order that when the gezerah is going to come, the refuah will be there. So, Perak Aleph and Perak Beis, which took years to happen, and happened years before the Gzeira, was HaKadosh Baruch Hu setting up the Rafua Kaidam Hamaka, as we will see. Now, 
The next Takdama, before we start Pasuk Aleph and start looking through the Megillah here to see it getting as much as we could over the next couple of weeks, at least in these first two Prakim, that is that there were two Averis that brought about the Gzeira of Purim, the Gemara says. The first Avera, the Gemara says, Nanu Misudasin Shalach which is in the first few Psukim here in the Megillah, Kla Yisrael benefited from the Sud of Achashverish. So the Gemara says, okay, but that's only for the people of Shush. They were part of that Mishnah. What about all of Kla Yisrael? Years before, in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, he put up this big statue and he made everyone bow down to it. And all the Goyim bowed down. And the Jews, they really should not have bowed down to the Tzalem. But they were afraid of Nebuchadnezzar and what he was going to do to them. So they also bowed down to it. And they felt they were warranted. It's Pikuach Nefesh. The Gemara says it wasn't really so they were allowed to do it but it was a lack of yira it was a lack of fear of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, except for Hananiah, Mishael, Vazaria they didn't bow down and they got thrown into the Kibshan Aish because of it because that was the first Avera the first Avera years before HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't punish them immediately for that Avera things were waiting to happen years later we have Sudas and Shalach the people in Shushan besides for being guilty of the crime of all of Klai Yisrael of bowing down to the Tzalem they had another Avera that they did and that was that they came to the Suda of Achashverish. so the Gra writes of Zachta Megillah in the Kisvei Hagra he writes there were two Averas so therefore we needed two Gayalim usually there's Gayalim are those who lead the Geula of Klai Yisrael Moshe and Aaron two Gayalim find the different places Moshiach and Eliyahu Hanavi there's going to be two Gaelim. The Grah says, here there's also two Gaelim, Mardchai and Esther, those are the two they're going to lead Klai Yisrael to Tshuva but here the Grah points out because there were two Averis the, the Averis of the Telem and the Avera of the of the uh, and as we will go through we will see that perhaps we could show that Mardchai and Esther each of them actually were leading Klai Yisrael to Tshuva and Geula each one for a specific one it wasn't both of them for both each one excelled in a certain aspect of Tshuva that were, they were chosen to be the Gael for that Avera so with these Hakdamas we now know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Makdim the Refuah so who are what's the refuah the refuah is going to be Mardchai and Esther being right in the right ta- place at the right time when the Gzeira comes to lead Klai Yisrael to Tshuva now let's talk about there were two Achashverishes says the Gros so we have to say which Achashverish this was this was the Achashverish who he was the one who ruled over Mehaidu Kush. Sheba ve'esrim u'me'a medina. Now we all know who was Achashverosh. So the Gemara says Achashverosh did not come from royalty. He was a stable boy in the house of Nebuchadnezzar. He was a stable boy in the house of Nebuchadnezzar, but somehow he rose through the ranks. And in those days, and in Paras Umadai, the way it worked with the kings, the Gemara says, was that they took turns, or there was more of a parliament, and they chose the king. And therefore, it came time for a king to be chosen. And Achashverosh was a savvy politician. Worked 
his way up through the ranks, and he was chosen to be the king. But Achashverosh was a very smart person. He knew he had no royal blood to him. He was a stable boy. He was a stable boy. So what does he need to do to ensure that he is going to remain king? He has to get some royalty into his picture. So he was a very smart person, and therefore he married Vashti. He married Vashti. Vashti was a granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar, and therefore he said to himself, if I'm going to be married to her, she's royalty, so then I'm assured that no one's going to come along and say, who are you? You're, you're right to be king. You're a stable boy. He's married to someone who is royalty, and therefore together with his uh, um, you know, uh, um, uh, savvy politics and being married to royalty, so he is going to remain the king. That is number one. But because of that, Achashverosh had a little bit of an ego issue. And he was always viewing himself as a stable boy. It's hard to get the stable boy out of the person. And he was always afraid people are going to view him as a stable boy. So he had to prove himself. Someone who has low self-esteem is always out to prove themselves. So Achashverosh had to prove himself. Here he is. He's the king over Shevo Meavesser Medina. And he's married to Vashti. And that's a very important thing. Because Alpiderech HaTeva, the last thing Achashverosh is ever going to do is get rid of Vashti. Vashti, she's the one who secures his royalty. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs that Esther should be the queen. Because she has to be on site to be the Goya. Alpiderech HaTeva, it makes no sense that number one, Vashti should ever be out of the picture. And number two, the Gemara says Achashverosh was a bigger sign in Yisrael than Haman was. He was a bigger anti-Semite than Haman. So now, who has to be the queen? Achashverosh is going to go marry a Jew or a Jewess? Marry Esther? It makes no sense. But the Grub points out that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to set up a system, there's something called Atzat Hashem Hisokom. And that's when you ask people, why did you do X, Y, and Z? Or when people look at them and say, they're crazy, it makes no sense. At that point, the only answer is, Atas Hashem. It's the Rabbi Shalala making people do things that are crazy, irrational, make zero sense. Why? Because the Kaddish Baruch is setting up a, gay, a plan here. And therefore, Vashti, as we're saying, is the key to his royalty, but we gotta get rid of him. It makes no sense. Atzas Hashem. So now he has to prove himself. So the Medrash tells us, and the girl points us out, that Shushan was not really the uh, capital of the Malchus of Madei of Haras. The Pasuk says in the Neil, Elam was the capital. So it says, when did Shushan become a capital city? So the truth is, Shushan was not a capital city. Shushan was a little village somewhere, a city somewhere. But, everyone knows, Shleim HaMelech had this fancy throne. And this throne had a whole bunch of animals there. And actually, um, Shleim HaMelech would go on the first step. And the animals, the lions, would carry him up. These golden lions would carry him up to the top. This magical throne Shleim HaMelech had. After the Khorban, and uh, the, the throne was captured. So we know some of the Gayim, Parai Nechei, one of the Parais, decided he wants to go on the throne. He figured if he's on Shleim HaMelech's throne, he'll be the king of the world. And 
the, the lion wasn't so friendly to him and he crippled him and he was uh, lame and that's why it's called Pare Nechei Nechei means he limps he's lame he became known as Pare the one who's lame and limping so Achashverosh said to himself if I'm going to get such a throne so then everyone will look at me remember he had a very low self-esteem he had to prove himself so a regular king doesn't have to prove himself he's royalty so he says if I get myself such a throne I'll be Gavaldic but I'm not stupid I learned history I'm not going on that throne so I'm going to get a replica right? it's a fake I'll make a replica so Kaddish Baruch Hu was misab of something that was very very interesting and that is that the craftsmen who had the Echaylas to make a replica of the throne happened to live in a town called Shushan in a, sh- a town called Shushan now why was it that they were in a town called Shushan? So the Groz Megala something to us. And he says that when Klaisa went into Golis by Khorban Bayis Shani, uh, Bayis Rishan, which we're talking about here, so they went in all different places. And Mordechai and Esther, they ended up in a place called Shushan. That's where they ended up in Golis. So Mordechai and Esther are in Shushan. Well, one second. There are big heroes. We, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, needs to get them in place in the royal palace in order to be ready for the Makkah. But they're in Shushan. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu has two choices. He could either somehow move them to where the palace is, or he could move the palace to Shushan. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Sadiqin, and Mordechai and Esther, I'm going to make them move, they're going to have to lift themselves up and go. It's not Kedai. Watch what I'm going to do. It's Kedai for me to move an entire kingdom, an entire capital with everything that comes along from its main capital city to this place, then to have our two Sadiqim have to be inconvenienced to move somewhere else. So the artisans who can make the, the throne happen to be in this place called Chusha. So what happens? He hires them to, to make. This is so it took three years three years to make this throne three years to make this throne he finally comes uh, he sees his throne he has a problem there's no way to move this thing how are they going to go get it from Shushan to the capital city so no one ever thought about maybe they should make it in the capital city then it makes sense I'm not gonna these, so they made it there all Atzas Hashem. So what happens? So Hashem says, I have a brilliant idea. That was a brilliant idea. We'll bring the whole capital here. Not the regular normal person would say, okay, I'll make a summer home. How many palaces does the Queen of England have? All different places, all different palaces. But there's one main palace. He says, okay, we'll have the capital city be Elam. That's for everything. And for summer vacation, for winter vacation, I'll come to Shushan and I'll have my throne there and we'll have pictures and I'll be up and we'll see me sitting on my throne. No, Hashem doesn't think like that because he has to prove himself I, it's got to be this has got to be the central place every day i got to be sitting on this throne ok so he says great idea we're going to move the entire capital all the way to Shushan ok so that's why the Pasuk says what happened he's sitting on his throne where's the throne Shushan just became Shushan Habira it just became the capital city so ok so now he has his throne so now he says, how else do I prove that I'm a king? 
You know, I'm going to prove that I'm, going to ki- I'm a king. I'm going to prove I'm king. I'm going to show everybody how rich I am. Kings are very rich. But you can't just say, hey everybody, you know, come look how rich I am, because I have to show you how rich I am. So he has to make a whole sibuvir to get people to see how rich he is, and then he's the king of the world. So what does he do? He says, great, I'll make a party, the Chosara Vavodov. This was not for the Hamayin Am. This was not for stamp people. These were for the Tsarim, all of Chel Parazumadai, Apartamim, Vesorah, Medina, Sufanov, because 127 places, you bring all the governors and the mayors and all the people there, and you show them, Wow! So they say, okay, we are going to subjugate ourselves to this king. He's a king. I mean, we don't remember he's a stable boy. He's married to Vashti. He has a throne. And he's as rich as the entire world. They're going to go back home to all of their little places, hamlets and cities, and say, okay, he is the king. So if he proves he's a king to all of these people, he's okay. So he makes a party. hundred and eighty days he makes a party. And he shows everybody there's six different things here. Aisher, Kivai Mahusai, Yikar, I'm sorry, Aisher, Kivai Mahusai, Yikar, Tivaris and Gadulasai. Six different descriptions of his riches. So the Gra says, What happened? The Gra says as follows. The Gra says that Nebuchadnezzar, as we know, conquered the entire world. Nebuchadnezzar and conquered the entire world and he was a very, very vicious person Nebuchadnezzar, a very vicious person the first thing he would do is he would plunder the national treasures of every country and he brought it back with him to Babel that's the pride of every country as a pride their national treasures, there's artwork there's history there, he wanted to show it, he would plunder it and he would take it back to Babel, not only that he would take their king and he would kill them, he was a very ruthless, he was such a vicious person the Gemara says when he went to Gehenim the Rishayim in Gehenim started trembling He's going to make Taurus for us here also? They were nervous. As the Gemara says, he was a vicious person. So he said to himself, one day he chopped himself, uh, he says, I don't say, I'm a rich, I have all the treasures of the entire world. He says, what's going to happen after I die? Someone else is going to benefit from my money? Even my son, the Gemara talks about his son over there, his son wasn't such a big rusher like him. He has no way. So he decided he's going to do an unbelievable thing. What's he going to do? He's going to build himself a copper boat. Copper boat. And in that copper boat, he's going to put all of his, um, all of his treasures. Thank you. So, now obviously copper boats don't float, right? So he built it on dry land, and he put all of his treasures in there. And then he ordered that um, the Nahar Paras, the Euphrates River, should be diverted to the place where the boat was, and it sunk. It sunk. So he sunk all of these treasures in his copper boat. Chasvishalom, nobody should benefit after he dies from all of these treasures. Okay, so... HaKadosh Baruch who made it that different people tried to uh, find where this boat actually was after the uh, Euphrates River had it became a part of the Euphrates River and no one could find it. When Kairish decided to give Rishos to start rebuilding the second base Amigdash, so HaKadosh Baruch who said he gets some tzachar for that. And the tzachar is that he's going to find these treasures. And he found these treasures and it became a part of the royalty of Parasumada. Now how many treasures were there? So it says that there were 1,080 treasures. 1,080 treasures. Now, when Achashverosh became king, he arshins, he inherited these treasures, part of the Malucha. So he's going to show everybody he has the treasures of the entire world. Now, 
Chazal say that you could only see um, six of these treasures or treasure rooms in one day. That's how extensive they were. It's unbelievable. It was like a museum. So you could only see, like they had, uh, you know, separate wings for each country that was taken over. You could only see six in one day. So you have times six times 180. So that, I'm sorry, you divide six by, you divide 1,080 divided by six. There were 1,080 treasures. And you divide that by six is 180 days. So why does it say here that he made a party for 180 days? Because he wanted to show every day you could see six treasures and that's 180 days so after 180 days everyone saw this extensive treasure that Ahasuerus had over here he had uh, this treasure and he is the king they walked, walked out of there wow fine so now, Tzachashverus so here has this self-esteem problem. He has his Vashti. He made his party. He showed everybody his riches. He has his throne. He is now getting to feeling a little bit good about his Malucha. But now, he was a savvy person and he realized that if there's ever going to be a problem in his Malucha, who are the first people that he either needs to rely on or are going to gang up against him? That's the locals. You have to understand what he did here. Could you imagine if Washington, D.C. decided one day to come to Cleveland Heights and they took all the government buildings and everything and they planted themselves one day here. We would not be very happy. Now there's all this traffic and there's all this... We wouldn't be happy. What's going to be the first... To, and now there's going to be some revolution. Who's going to be the first one to take up arms and get rid of everybody? It's going to be us. At the same time, Hakashverish knows that uh, he needs his people. So he made a separate party to win the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the support and the hearts of the locals. Let's say he's done. He's gotten, he took care of the rest of the world. The first party wasn't for every vagrant and vagabond and homeless guy. Everybody. Now, he doesn't have to prove to these people how rich he is. Homeless guy is not, he looks like, okay, you know what I mean? Give him a cup of coffee in a Danish and he's happy. He doesn't need to start seeing 180 days worth of, uh, of, 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 um, of, uh, of, of treasures. That was for the people who, are, who, who could appreciate art. Those are people who could appreciate treasures. These people just had to win their hearts. And the Pasuk then tells us, Chor Karpas is Chelas, Ochus B'chavli Vutzvar Gomen, it describes for us here, Avu Lechesa, Avu Deshesh, Mitezel Vechesa, Ritzvah V'shish, Avu Tzacharis. So the Pasuk describes for us all of the difference, how, how, how beautiful the palace itself was. The Gra writes that the reason for that is because if this is what a palace looks like in Olam Hazek, can you imagine what a palace for Tzadikim are going to be in Olam Habo? Okay. Fine. So they would served in golden kalim, as we know these were the kalim of the base Hamikdash. So this was the Suda of Akashverish, that the Satan here really was the one who, who, who wanted this to happen. Because he wanted Kala Yisrael in, in Shushan to be Chaite. And when they were Chaite, he was able then to say Shalom. Years ago, the entire Klai Yisrael bowed down to Itzelem. Look what's going on in Shushan. Achashverosh is celebrating that the Beis Hamikdash is not going to be rebuilt. He made a cheshben. It's never going to be rebuilt. He took out the cable of the Beis Hamikdash. And look what's going on. The Gidin went. 
They went. Not only they went, they enjoyed themselves. How can you enjoy yourself? Even if you feel you're forced to go there because the king, the king's trying to win favor in your eyes, you feel you have to do it. But you, you, you can enjoy yourself there. You should be throwing up. It should be, should be cringing from pain. Not only that, Mordechai Tzadik knew there was something wrong here. He smelled something wrong over here. Mordechai Tzadik made a gzera. The Grot says, Mordechai Tzadik had the power like a Reish Galusa. Reish Galusa is like a Melech. And a Melech has the power to make gzeras and Klaisa. Mordechai Tzadik, as a member of the Sanhedrin, had the power of Reish Galusa and Galus, which is like a Nasi and a Melech, and he had the power to decree no one should go. And yet thousands of Klaisa, they did not listen to him. Mordechai, he doesn't know what he's talking about. This politics here, this and that and they went and at this point is when the Satan said Rabbi Nishalaylam it's time for Xera. it's time for Xera." and the Rabbi Shalom said but what am I going to do what's going to be with my Tyra so the Satan had an answer for that the Medjur says Tyra don't worry there's Malachim they'll, they'll, they'll keep your Tyra and the Midrashim over there talk about this again this is years before the Gezeira actually happened from Haman but the Gezeira was made by Kaddish Baruch Hu at this point and it says that Eliyahu Navi started running around to the Havis waking him up do you realize there's a Gezeira against Klai Yisrael and he came to Moshe Rabbeinu and eventually Moshe Rabbeinu said is there a is there a a a, a ish kasher hadar? So someone in that generation was a person who's an ish kasher, not a tzaddik. Ish kasher means someone who could get the job done. Not necessarily the biggest tzaddik. Talking about the days of Sanhedrin, but there was a specific need here, and the need was, as we're going to see, there's a need for tefillah. And Marthai, there's somebody who could do this. And Elio says, yeah, there's someone named Marthai. So Moshe Rabbeinu said to Elio, you go tell him that this is going to be needed. And when the time comes, said Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to help out in Shemaim as well. Later on, Moshe Rabbeinu put in a good word for us. And the Gzeira was sealed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It wasn't in, it wasn't in, uh, in blood, it was in Charis, as it says over there. But the Gzeira was sealed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu years before it came to fruition in this world. And Mordechai already knew from Elio Navi that there was a Gzeira. He was just, Elio told him, you're on standby, you're on call. When the Gzeira is going to come, you're going to have a job. And that's why Mordechai was ready for it. So, but this is what happened. So, at this party is when the Gzeira began. And we'll just do a little bit more. Normally when you came to a royal party there was rules. There was rules of how you drank and what you drank and if you were given to drink you can never refuse it. And at this party what was he trying to do? He's trying to win the favor of the people. How do you win the favor of the people? You say whatever anyone wants you'll get. That's how he went favor. Why? Because he was afraid. If he's going to keep normal rules of parties, a guy's going to walk out and say, oh, he forced me to drink this. I wanted my omelets this way. I wanted this. He wants everybody happy. He, the whole point of this party was to make the people, the Hamaynam, happy. So he had to make them happy. So he changed the rules. So he made everybody happy. That means anyone who wanted anything, they got what they wanted. 
He made his whole palace crazy for this. Can you imagine what it was? His, I like my omelet this way, I like my food this way. Everyone's scurrying back and forth, but that's what it said. There was a big banner. And this is going to be part of his downfall. Because as we're going to see, as we're going to see Bethlehem next time, he's going to have to go and force Vashti to do something. One second, what happens to Lassus Kitsanishvish? Lassus Kitsanish, well, the people want her to do this. She doesn't want to do it. It's impossible to make everybody happy, Chaza. The Hashem tells that we know, and Akadish Baruch will tell Dachajesh. You want to do Kitsanish Vish? It's impossible. You're going to make one person upset to make another person happy, another person happy, those will be upset. This is going to be the beginning of his downfall. And that is Akadish Baruch who's setting the stage here with Akashverish with his low self-esteem, he's now come to the pinnacle of feeling good about himself after all of these things that he's done, and now Vashti is going to come and prick his balloon hair. And she's going to come, as we're going to see next week, and she's going to put him in his place. And when you're going to put this king in his place, in the massive that he's in, so then there's going to be no turning back.